Hello, hello, y'all, and welcome to the Janae Franco Show. I am really excited to be with you today to talk some more about perfectionism. This is something that I have just really enjoyed continuing to think about and pray about, and the Lord is providing me ample examples as to how this shows up in my life and how it could potentially show up in yours. So today, I want to talk a little bit about a coaching session that I had this morning and just some of the things that I had been, that, I, that I've just been ruminating, um, that I've been chewing on and thinking about and praying about. So I showed up kind of not sure what I was going to be coached on, but the Holy Spirit knew exactly what it was. And I want to start with a little story on the way back from, well, I had to bring my toddler his lunch because he forgot it. And there was in the sky, I just, I love the clouds and sometimes they just inspire me. I don't know if you are the same way. I love nature. There's often just a signal, a sign, some kind of connection uh, often that the Lord will provide. And here it was in the distance. I could see the road long ahead of me. It was a long straight away. And in the distance, there was the clouds had broken. It was pretty overcast. I didn't even need sunglasses. The clouds had broken and there was just a light beaming down from heaven, almost like Star Trek beam me up, Scotty, like just coming straight down to the earth. And it was far away. And I was thinking about this conversation I had just been having with my coach about goals. When I have a goal in mind, it becomes, it's bright, it's vivid, it's in color. In uh, strengths speak, we would call this probably futuristic, maybe even ideation, depending um, on how that looks like for you. I'm really high in futuristic. So, and I'm also really high in these influencing strengths. These are, these are strengths that are very good at starting things, having the energy to move things along, motivating, all of those things. And so that's a lot of how I'm driven. And so when I see a goal, it is really hard for me to wait to get to that goal. Like, understandably speaking, I have to wait sometimes, but it's just something that's really ingrained in me. I see the future in technicolor. I can see myself achieving this goal. And then what I have found is that I spend a lot of time unsatisfied that I have not reached the goal yet. And I really hadn't put my finger on it until I was having this conversation about something that seemed unrelated with my coach. Um, and she really just, the Holy Spirit was just so there. I could feel him in the room with us just Inner, just being there and, and enlightening these parts that I really hadn't seen before. And so she at like the thought that I had kind of come to was particularly as it applies to entrepreneurship, but honestly, I can see it in my life with my kids, with my marriage, with pretty much anything, any goal that I might decide that I'm going to reach, like not yelling at my kids or getting our mealtime act together and actually prepping meals or sticking with a schedule or, um, you know, you name it, or achieving the chores that maybe uh, my husband and I have talked about we want to do and, and they just don't happen for some kind of reason. So I, I had this thought, I feel like I can make this happen, which actually seems not so bad unless you're really aware of the vice of ungodly self-reliance. And it just hit me in that moment. It's like, oh, that's what I'm doing. I am thinking that I can make this happen. So I see this goal and then I think this is how it should go. Okay. So it could look different for each thing. So a question that we can also, if you're dealing with this, if you maybe have a goal and you're impatient like me, ask yourself, how should it have gone? How should it go? 
you know, and in my mind, it's like, it's like, you know, back to a Star Trek analogy, like light speed, like there we are, we're at the goal and then let's move on to the next one, you know? And somehow in wrapped up in that is this expectation that achieving that goal is actually going to give me that happiness, that satisfaction that I truly desire. Well, the reality is no goal, no reaching of any goal is going to give me that ultimate satisfaction, which is beatitude, which is, um, you know, with God, God is the love of God is the ultimate satisfaction. He's the only one who satisfies, but I really don't like feeling unsatisfied or feeling disappointed. And so she was, we were talking and she was like, can you find some evidence that you have waited before? Because I can get really caught up on this thing. Like I'm impatient. I don't like to wait. And it becomes an identity. It becomes something that's just who I am. And it's not something that I can change. Well, that's actually, that's not true at all. So I'm going to be the first one to tell you that if you haven't heard that before, you actually can change because that feeling of disappointment is coming from a thought and those are changeable. And so she said, where's the evidence that you have waited? And I was thinking about it and I'm going to give you guys some examples. You know, one, um, one of the uh, pieces where one of the first times that I felt like I really had to wait for something when my husband and I met, it was pretty, pretty soon after we met we had pretty much decided like, okay, this is the person I want to marry. This is who I want to be with for the rest of my life. Well, I'm, as you can tell, I'm a little, I'm like, okay, well, I know, then let's go. Let's get married. Let's, you know, get started. And my husband is just not as much that way. And it had nothing to do with how much he loved me or any of those things. He's just very practical. It just didn't make sense. And then, you know, his brother got engaged and then he didn't want to steal the thunder because he's just so kind and loving. And so he waited until his brother got married before he proposed to me. And I got to say, this period of waiting was so hard for me, so hard. And, I, but I did, I waited. And the solution here for me was that it really helped my relationship with God. I really cling to God. I talked to him all the time because I was having a problem with waiting. I was struggling and my relationship with him really just improved during this time. And now other practical things my husband and I did work out a lot of things in our pre-engagement and engagement time, some difficult conversations, some difficult moments, some, you know, we got to really see each other for who we are, he, we were. And so honestly, there have been a lot of times in marriage that it's just been really good because we've worked out so much ahead of time. We talked about so many things and even just the lack of the waiting, we did have to have hard conversations because I would maybe lash out or get to be kind of difficult to be around sometimes. And we would have to have a conversation about it. And I would have to be humble and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, you know, to act that way and blah, blah, blah. So moving on. Another time that we had to be patient was my husband uh, is a physician. He was in medical school in South Florida. We had been away from home for a little while. The desire really was to get back home at some point, especially once we had kids. And we found out that we were going to have to live and uh, move to Cleveland, Ohio and live there for five years. And I still remember we moved there for one year, not knowing how long it was going to be. And I still remember being there and getting the email where we were going to have to stay for four more years. And Ooh, I remember it was like a prison sentence. Like the image in my mind was like someone closed the prison door, locked me in it and said, you're stuck for years. Enjoy. And I, I, it was really hard. Again, it was really, really hard to wait to come back home because in so many ways, um, I can still remember crying, you know, while Chris, I just even couldn't participate sometimes. And he would call and FaceTime people for Christmas or other holidays. And or I would talk to my sisters-in-law and I had just this like entitlement, like I want so badly to be back home and we just can't be with family. We can't. 
And it's just not fair. It was just this disappointment there where I really had to bring that to the Lord. And I really had to deal with myself and my thoughts and where these things came from. And I did my first couple, my first round of counseling was up in Cleveland. Um, and this was a big part of that was being able to accept reality, to accept where I was, to accept that disappointment, to feel the disappointment and be okay with that. So another example of waiting was when we bought our first house, uh, uh, we decided to move selling the first house and the first house we thought would sell within six months. It took two and a half years to sell. And that is definitely one of the pieces that brought me to counseling, brought me to Catholic counseling, brought me to having to deal with these areas where I really wanted to be in control. I was stuck in like this perfectionism, this control place, because I believed that if I was, then I wouldn't have to be disappointed. Perfectionism is an attempt at never having to be disappointed. I don't know if you've ever thought of that. Doesn't really work all that well, uh, at least not for me. And, but I could see how that's where it was showing up. And so this was really hard for me. But again, in the hardness, I cling to God. And I, it really helped in my relationship with him because I had to be honest. I had to be raw because there was just nothing left. I didn't have the energy to fight anymore. And so the last one I came up with was this healing process I've talked about here on the podcast before where I could sense that something, and it really started, it started with this, this trying to sell our first house. Because it was one of the first times in my life, well, clearly not the first, but one of the few times in my life that I had a situation that I like legitimately could not control. We did everything we could to the house. People just didn't want it. And I could not control that situation. And, you know, obviously you could say we could drop the price, all those things, but, you know, I'm part of a marriage and we were having these discussions and doing the best we could at the time, but I could not control the fact that we couldn't sell this house. And it broke me. And that is what led me to realize that I really needed counseling because I could not handle my everyday life. I was taking it out on my kids. I was yelling all the time. I was always unhappy, always unsatisfied. And I say always, clearly I had good moments with my kids, but you know what I'm saying? Generally speaking, the baseline here was not really baseline. It was more like just anxious, worried. I just couldn't find peace. Even if I was praying, like it just felt, I, I didn't have a lot of consolation. There was, it, it was just very dry. And so that's what led me to counseling. And this healing process started somewhere around the summer of 2018. And I, I got the sense in 2019, I went to the Abide Women's Conference and I've talked about it a little bit before. This was the previous one. And Sister Miriam James Highland uh, and Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger were there. And I had actually, believe it or not, never listened to podcasts before February of 2019. It just wasn't a part of my day. Not sure why not. I just hadn't found any that I loved. And I started listening to their podcast after seeing them at the conference. And it was really important for me because all of them really had been through these times of healing. And Heather Kim is specifically mentioned that there was a time in her life that it took a couple of years to work through this particular thing. Now, that is not what I wanted to hear because I was with her. Like I would be in Advent being like, oh, Christmas would be a great time to wrap this up, Lord. Like then you're in Lent and you're like, Easter would be a great time for this resurrection and like coming alive. And um, I started to build up these expectations of what it would look like to be healed. And it just didn't happen the way that I thought it should. And so there was just a lot of disappointment wrapped up in that. But then I began to accept it. I began to cling to the Lord and ex accept the fact that this was all for my good, that he was, he's not a puppeteer. He's not 
uh, you know, doing these things to tease us. He wants our holiness. He wants our sanctity. He wants us in heaven with him. And we have attachments to things on earth that are going to get between us and our attachment with God. We are allowed one attachment on this earth, one attachment. God, that is it. All the other things can become idols and come before him. And so that's really what he started to break in me. And this process took a good two years. And the interesting thing is there wasn't an Easter morning, really. It was like, I just woke up one day and I realized that all the work, all the tears, all the grief, all the allowing of the emotions, the counseling, all of these things had kind of just come together. And I felt at peace at that particular moment. I knew that I had been through everything. And there, in a sense, there was an Easter, but it wasn't this big moment that sometimes we can expect out of the, the healing experiences. And so I waited, I waited for the Lord in my tears. There's this beautiful song by Bethel. It's called Take Courage. Uh, and it's, the lyrics are, oh, they're so good. I put them on my phone. I wonder if I can pull them up real quick. Um, slow down, take time. He will reveal what's to come. The thoughts in his mind are always higher than mine. He'll reveal all to come, take courage in my heart, stay steadfast my soul. And so even through the tears, even through the hard days, even through the times that I just didn't want to, I clung to him. And that is the common theme. When I look back at all the evidence I have that I am capable of waiting, I may not like waiting, but that's different than not being capable of waiting. The thing in common is that this waiting on the Lord reveals the lack of control that I already have that I don't want to see because the reality is none of us are really in charge of our own lives. We can make us, we can make ourselves think that we are. And this eventually leads to clinging to the Lord more and more. And what was interesting to me is making, is tying this back when it comes to healing. I understood that there was going to be some waiting and, and maybe I didn't at first, but I compartmentalized it a little bit, even after it was all said and done. When it comes to healing, when it comes to like all of those things, like counseling and all of that, like I can understand that there's going to be waiting and there's going to have to like God's just in control. But when it comes to learning how to run a business, um, being a mom, running a household, both of those things are honestly, I like to see them as equivalent, like running my household and running my business. And it, it was interesting because that thought, I feel like I can make this happen, sounded like it was going to serve me because I was tying these actions and these other things to the success of my business. And success was kind of vague, it kind of changed depending. And maybe it's like, whatever this goal is down the line that I could see that I wanted, if that wasn't happening, then I was failing. And that's not true. So that's where this, this idea of disappointment comes in, where it's an attempt, uh, perfectionism is an attempt to not be disappointed because to, to be disappointed is by definition to be let down or to fall short of an expectation or to fail to meet an expectation. And <clears throat> as perfectionists, I'm sure all of you guys can relate or recovering perfectionists, we often will have really high expectations, expectations that are not reachable. And so it's almost like we're starting out defeated because um, maybe they're too vague. Maybe they're just, the thing is, is we can't control time. We can have this goal, this expectation, but we cannot put a timeline on it. We have to put it all in God's hands. Now, the emotion of disappointment is defined as this. It is a sadness about a failure to meet an expectation. 
which reveals that there is an attachment to that expectation. Now, some of this information about disappointment, I was, um, I had gone back to a Catholic coaching podcast. I'm going to put that in the show notes because if you're interested in this concept of disappointment, you're going to love this raw and real episode by Matt and Aaron Ingold at the Catholic coaching podcast, because they really dive into this concept of disappointment and what it looks like. And I was just curious after I got off the coaching call with my, my coach, I was like, well, I'm going to listen to this because I bet you they, you know, they've got some of these purgative way concepts that I've learned and kind of refresh my memory to prepare to talk to you guys about it today. And so they talk about this sadness and what is sadness? Sadness is, um, it is when evil is upon you currently, uh, evil for lack of a better word, like, yeah, whatever you consider evil. Now, fear is a fear of future evil befalling you. So that's what fear is. But sadness is when you be, you perceive that there is an evil upon you currently. And so the emotion of disappointment is like that is upon you. It is a sadness about your failure to meet an expectation. And if you're like me, anything like me, there's a lot of expectations, whether I know about them or not, in my that I have for my life. A lot of them are about me. And even as I saw this, this feeling like I could make it happen, I'm making it mean success in business is like, I'm making these things happen. I am. And so if I don't, then I have failed as opposed to seeing it more as the Lord is in charge. He has given me this and yes, I have to take action. Yes. I need to move forward and in clarity and actually do things to follow his will. But that attachment piece is what is super important. We have to remain detached if we want to um, avoid these things like disappointment. Um, so it was interesting is when I look at this idea of disappointment, I actually can think of, I mean, probably hundreds of times every day that I am disappointed. And I thought, well, then I'm really familiar with this feeling of not meeting this expectation. Maybe you're familiar. You're walking through your living room and you see toys all over the floor. What I'm recognizing now is that I'm disappointed that one, I didn't teach my kids well enough how to clean up. Two, I didn't make the time to clean up. Maybe, maybe there's disappointment because you forgot to prepare a meal plan for the week and it's Tuesday at 5 PM and you're just thinking, what are we going to have for dinner? And so you're disappointed in yourself. Maybe you're disappointed in your husband because he didn't do it. And then you miscommunicated about it or something like that. So we have, we think that this thing that we're shooting for, this goal, you know, even if it's a goal, maybe, maybe it's in your business, you're, you're trying to reach a particular goal. Maybe it's in your, um, the things that you volunteer in, uh, and you're trying to reach some goal there, or it's with your family. You want to stop yelling at your kids. That's your goal is to just stop yelling, um, I mention it a lot because that is something that is one of my goals and I've had to learn to be very patient with myself in this process. Um, whatever that goal is for you, what I find is that we can get so attached to that goal. We can get so attached to that result that that result is what is going to be the thing that satisfies us. When we are holding it, when we have achieved it, then we will be satisfied. And the reality is we're never going to be satisfied because God is the ultimate satisfier of our hearts. He is the one that is the only one that is ever going to satisfy us. And so I think that's just really important to keep in mind. And so what I want to leave you guys with is a few notes, a few action steps, however you want to call it, um, 
to start to be aware of how this is moving in your life. So number one, it's really important to become aware of how your perfectionism uh, can look like disappointment. When do you feel sad? That's a really good um, indicator that you might be disappointed about something. Be aware of that sadness. Don't shove it off. Now, maybe you don't want to start crying in the middle of carpool or something like that. So maybe there's prudent times to do that. But, you know, if you have to, you have to. It's good for our kids to see us emote. Um, so, yeah, be a really aware of how perfectionism can look like disappointment in your life, um, whether that's in your business, your family, your marriage, etc. The second step is to get really good at being able to identify when you are feeling disappointed. And so when you feel that sadness, are you feeling disappointed? Journal about it later. Think about it, write it down, um, become aware, get curious about it. Don't judge yourself for it. That's the, the, I'm, I'm definitely guilty of that myself, but try not to judge yourself. Just get curious. And number three, we want to recognize we want to release, we want to renounce and forgive. This is why, I mean, this is one of the main reasons why this is the journal that I always talk about the Metanoia Catholic journal. Their exercise six is release and it's Lord, I repent in the name of Jesus. I forgive blank for blank. And in the name of Jesus, I renounce blank. This little exercise right here is really what has been the game changer for me as I work through this process of seeing how my actions actually come from feelings that come from thoughts, it's not the circumstance, it's not whatever has happened to me, it's not the trigger. It is in fact all of those things, the thoughts and the feelings, and I need help. I cannot be, I'm not meant to be my savior. Like that is just, I can't just swap out the thoughts sometimes. And sometimes I don't even believe it. And so you really have to ask the Lord for help. In fact, today's um, gospel reading really struck me. Uh, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, this is from John 8, 31 through 42. If you remain in my word, you will truly be my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so it's like, if we can remain in scripture, remain in his word, those are the things that are going to pierce our hearts. That's a living word. It can pierce our hearts with that truth when we need to hear it. Uh, my very favorite is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Um, for my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so in admitting our weaknesses, this is where God's power can come into our lives. And so it's really important to go through that process of renouncement. Some of my favorite little pieces, if you are in the Metanoia Catholic Academy, if you're not, I highly recommend it. It is a fantastic value. Um, I think it's $47 a month and they have workshops. You can access their full library. You can get a free 20 minute coaching call one-on-one -on -one every month as part of your membership, uh, among other things. I, I don't sell it, so I can't even tell you all the things, but I know that a couple of things that are in their academy are this, one of which is the emotions wheel. This right here is based off of St. Thomas Aquinas and his passions. This is super, super helpful. So like I was talking about today, um, fear has things like hesitant or suspicious or apprehensive. And then things like sorrow. Let's see. Maybe it wasn't sorrow. Here I am going through either way. Um, despair. Mm, disappointed is one of the things that comes from despair and sadness. So this is really good to be able to start recognizing the emotions as they're happening as well. They have this virtues and vices cheat sheet. Uh, you can see mine is marked up really nicely. This is from a lot, Father Chad Ruppiger's work. 
And he also has some amazing information in all, all of his work. But this is where you can really get into what vices are we are we engaging in? And it's really important. This work is really important because we are not our sin. Like our sins are do not um, affect our worth. Like we are worthy and loved just because we are God's creation. Y yes, there's obviously lots of, I'm not a theologian. So there's, there's effects of sin and um, lots of bad effects. But the important thing is, is when I started to recognize these vices, I started to realize that these were not, it, it didn't have to do with my identity necessarily. It made confession a lot easier because they were just actions that I took. Yeah, you know, there were thoughts that I had that often led to these feelings that led to those actions, but being able to start to see that process was really helpful in separating from these things and getting really curious about how they show up. So the, the vices, there's a lot of them here when it comes to disappointment and perfectionism. We've got pride, you know, you've got vanity where you're, you're worried about how you appear to someone else. We've got usurpation, which is, I usually have it. Oh, yes. Where you're trying to take authority for something uh, before God. You've got pertinacity, which I'm going to say, and then I'm not going to be able to find it on the sheet. Uh, you can look it up if you want to know what that is. Oh, here it is. Excessive clinging to one's assertions or intellectual convictions. Uh, that I didn't even think about that one as much until today because you want it your way, the way you see it. And then self-reliance, all of these things. It's really important to know the vices so that we can renounce them. This is the way that we start to help weed this garden. I love that analogy. And I love too how in the journal, you can see the release is right before the metanoia, right here in between exercise six and seven. That is where I read the gospels of the day, the readings of the day. That's when I do my scripture because everything above it, it was, it's like weeding the garden. It's like tilling the soil. It's preparing to receive the seed of the Lord so that when his scripture hits my heart, it's able to actually get to where it needs to go to affect the change. And so if we don't know what vices we're dealing with, if we won't look at what we're doing, it has nothing to do with us or our worth. We need to look at this. We need to see the truth because that is how we are set free. Again, back to the scripture today. Um, we are, let's see, it says, amen, amen, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. A slave does not remain in a household forever, but a son always remains. So if the son frees you, then you will be truly free. So this, we are slaves to sin, whether we know it or not, but being able to recognize it, renounce it. There's even this great little, this was not in the academy, but there's like a little renounce, renunciation list, which was, um, it's from heartofthefather.com. I don't know if you can access it. That's just what my sheet says from the Unbound Ministry. And it's got a big list. Perfectionism is in here. So I know I've talked about perfectionism can be redeemed. There's some amazing pieces. There's some amazing like the pursuit of excellence within us, those of us who struggle with this desire. I mean, this is a beautiful thing to be able to see the future in Technicolor, to be able to want to reach that goal. But it is not a beautiful thing if that causes me such unsatisfaction and such disappointment that it affects how I parent. I get cranky. I don't want to do the things like fortitude. I'm not going to be courageous. I'm not going to do the arduous things. I love that. There's the fortitude, the willingness to engage the arduous. That's magnanimity. Magnificence, patience, perseverance, long, longanimity, and mortification. You know, I'm not going to want to do those things if I can't, um, if I can't acknowledge how they're showing up, how the vices are showing up, and what virtues I want to pray for. Because ultimately, God is a change agent. We cannot change ourselves. So that's what I want to leave you with today: is 
you know, are you, do you find yourself disappointed? Do you see the connection between this and perfectionism? I would love to hear your thoughts on this. DM me, email me. Um, this is something that I'm just getting increasingly passionate about because it is everywhere in my life. And it has often just really kept, kept me from a true and authentic relationship with the Lord. I am in the middle of putting together a group experience. I'll be releasing some new details on that soon. Please DM me, email me if you want in, you want information. Group coaching is so incredible. If you have not experienced it or heard of it, it is really amazing. Whether you are the one being coached or whether you are observing the coaching, it is really amazing to truly see how the Lord has made our minds and how just the shift of one little thought. I mean, I'm still sitting here in awe of my coaching this morning where I really think a big shift has happened in the way that I view these things in business. You know, I don't know if I said this earlier, but it was like, well, what, you know, my coach asked me, what if healing, what if your process of healing that I have accepted, I understand it, that it looks like this particular thing. It's all in God's timing. What if healing could look a lot like your business and your goals in life? What if it's still all about God's timing and not about you making it happen? So I want to leave you with that today. Um, follow me, DM me, uh, leave a review. If you love this, I would love if you typed up a review, left me uh, five stars, it would help more people see this podcast, share it with a friend. It would really mean so much to me to have your support. So God bless you guys and have a great Wednesday.